I'm Dana Lloyd. Welcome to Soul Sister Conversations, the podcast, where you will be inspired and empowered to connect more deeply with your authentic self as we explore topics of personal development, leadership, and spirituality. Your journey to your most authentic self starts right now. Today we are talking about living unrestricted. Wouldn't that be great? Maria Morehouse was caught up in diet culture, even as a trainer and coach. She says she has made the leap out of diet culture, and now she helps women break free of it too. We have a great conversation around misconceptions, messaging, and how to live in an authentic and balanced way. It's time to improve your relationship with food and movement. Maria Morehouse, welcome to Soul Sister Conversations. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, I've been following you for a little while on Instagram, and people have recommended you as a podcast guest. Maybe you didn't know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> it's nice to be noticed, isn't it? Yeah, lovely. <laughs> and one of the things that I noticed on your profile is that you have this philosophy of live uh, life unrestricted. And I like that idea, and I wanted to explore that with you. And a lot of what you talk about is around diet culture. And, and your business is Strive, and you can be found at gostrive.ca. But you say that after years of being heavily engulfed in diet culture, personally and professionally, which that makes me curious, mm -hmm. uh, you are passionate about showing women that they can absolutely live in an authentic and balanced way, a life without diets while still prioritizing health without compromising happiness and freedom. And I had a feeling when I was researching you that there was more to your story and there was a reason why you were passionate about helping women live unrestricted and overcome diet culture. So I'm curious, where does your story begin with respect to diet culture? Um, I, I, I'll start off by saying I was very fortunate, um, and, I, and I know this, that I did not um, grow up in a home where diet or diet culture was um, prevalent. Um, my mom, we, I grew up on a farm. Um, I, uh, moved to a small town and my parents, um, and my mom specifically wasn't, it wasn't something that I ever grew up around. Um, fast forward, um, I had children very young. Um, I was 22, um, when I was introduced to, um, a diet, I had never been on a diet until I was 22 after my second child. Mm. And, um, like everyone on your first diet, um, you know, you have quick success feels really good. Um, you know, I was not, um, extremely overweight, but had put on, um, some weight, um, you know, having two children back to back, they're only 26 months apart. And um, yeah, so that was, that was 22 years ago, my children are 26 and 24 now. So, um, and so I have been um, dieting off and on for over 20 years. Um, I worked in, um, I actually worked in IT, I'm a computer programmer by trade, but my part time jobs were always um, in fitness and in wellness. Um, I've coached, you know, lots of soccer teams and basketball teams over the years. I started coaching at a very young age. Um, but um, more specifically, the last 10 years, um, I was working um, in, um, in weight loss um, mm. nutrition consultant for a, a, a company, a local company. So I... Um, had my eyes wide open <laughs> um, to the effects um, of diet culture mm. um, because, you know, you see a lot of repeat clients and I saw it in myself as well. Um, and once you start looking into it a little deeper and reading up on it and studying, um, I decided that, you know, even before I left coaching weight loss, that it, it just what it didn't sit right with me. Um, mm. Didn't feel good. Um, I, I'm also an empath, so um, mm. I, I took home a lot of um, of what other people were going through. Um, so and it and it hit home because I I felt what they were going through as well. Hmm. And if you didn't grow up in a diet culture, and I mean, it seems pretty natural if you have a baby and you had weight on that you might think, oh, I want to get this weight off. But if you didn't grow up in that, how do you think that you were impacted or 
introduced to it? Were you around people that were talking about, oh, got to get the baby weight off? Yeah, Because you talk about that too, that, you know, the, the diet culture it, messaging is not whispering, it's screaming at us and we probably don't even recognize it. Once you, once you become um, aware of it, once there's that awareness, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Um, it was a coworker and I don't fault her at all. No, <laughs> not at no. all. Um, you know, no better do better. And, um, I, um, yeah, it was a coworker and we did, um, Weight Watchers initially and then, um, Simply for Life, um, mm. in a very short period of time, I would say, if I remember correctly, I would say it was like in the same year we had tried the two different. So, okay. Yeah. And, and somewhere along there, you you then decided to start coaching weight loss, I, and then that didn't feel good because what what didn't feel good about that? Um, well, so I um, just left coaching weight loss three years ago when I started Strive. Um, mm. So it was over six years I coached weight loss. Uh, before that, I was um, I was a I'm a personal trainer. I'm a fitness coach. I have certifications in um, different disciplines um, for for fitness. And, um, you know, I, I coached the, you know, go hard, go home and, um, the restrictive, you know, um, nutrition bit. And what happens is, um, you know, over those six plus years, the reoccurring clients, um, that I saw is, was really, it was really hard, right? Because one, you feel like you didn't do a good job initially. Right. <laughs> um, and two, um, it was that feeling of, I, you know, you know, once you start to become aware of what diet culture is doing in the diet cycle and the restrict binge cycle and the guilt and shame that is associated with it. And I've read a lot on it and studied on it and, um, you begin to recognize what's happening. Hmm. Right. And um, like, and I so said, this awakening started to happen within you just a few years ago, once you start seeing recurring clients, because I guess the whole point is that you're not seeing sustainable results. And I totally get right. that, you know, as a coach, you're thinking, well, gosh, I helped this person. Why isn't it that, that they can't um, keep on that path? And obviously that has to be playing into your mind thinking, why isn't this working? That's right. Is that, is that the shift that, yes. you know, and I guess, because you said you made the leap out of diet culture. How did you ultimately do that as a, as a, a, a weight loss coach? <laughs> I, um, well, I started um, hosting women's wellness retreats um, and um, was doing that part-time for a year or so before I left. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the type of retreat that I was hosting, like an all-inclusive, like anybody can do this. And that this, that gets to my point of living unrestricted. I, I mm -hmm. believe that we can do anything we put our mind to. Um, I, I don't know why. I think I was just born that way. <laughs> I, like you're I, an optimist. I, I, do, I, 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 I need optimists. I, I really, I just truly believe that. And, um, I think, um, you know, when people are feeling bad about themselves or they have guilt or shame, and then that, you know, it's hard to climb out of that. Right. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, um, so I started the women's wellness retreats and then just, like I said, the, co the coaching weight loss didn't feel great anymore. Um, and there, there were some other underlying things that, that, um, you know, um, led to my, um, departure, let's say from diet culture, but, um, I started strive and was just mainly focused on the retreats and, you know, a handful of one-on-one -on -one clients, um, mm -hmm. just to kind of get my feet wet in coaching this very different, <laughs> right. um, you know, in a very different way in a different light. Um, and then, um, a year after I started strive, I started, um, an, uh, online group coaching as well, because I wanted it to be affordable for everybody. I wanted everyone to be able to hear the messaging, um, even if it wasn't feasible to do the one-on-one -on -one coaching. So I started strive inside, which is a women's, um, online, um, coaching group. Hmm. Um, and then I, um, you know, the pandemic hit. Yeah, <laughs> the pandemic hit. Yeah. And then the retreats took a backseat. My one-on-one -on -one coaching went all completely virtual. Um, I, I do have some um, 
personal training clients that I work with as well that went virtual. So, you know, things yeah. shifted there, but now we're starting to move back into um, some in-person, uh, which I'm really excited about. Yeah. Well, I'm curious that when you started these wellness retreats, while you were still a, a coaching weight loss, yeah. I, I have a feeling that, that that is a part of what began to shift for you out of um, this diet culture. And I'm curious, what were you seeing in these wellness retreats that helped shift your own perspective on diet culture? Well, um, I, you know, I really wanted it to be, I wanted the, it to be all inclusive in, you know, there's a very, there's, you know, there was a way that fitness instructors were supposed to look, there was a way that we were right. supposed to instruct, mm. there was a certain clientele. And, and even I, I have, you know, women in my group now who say, you know, when you first started those retreats, I was intimidated to heck knowing mm. that the type of coaching that you used to do to come, like I, you know, I coached um, hit type classes for many years. So the high intensity um, go, go, go type. And even my, my nutrition consulting, ha, ha, you know, approach has changed, but so has my approach to fitness, a very intuitive, um, you know, very self-compassionate um, approach to wellness and living. Mm. Yeah. And, and w even with your company name Strive, what does Strive mean to you? I It took a long time to come up with a, a, a name, but I kept coming back to that because for me, I, I, I don't think we ever stop. Like fitness and wellness and health is not, um, you know, there's no end date, right? Like the goal is to be a lifelong mover, right? The, the goal, the ultimate goal is is health and wellness and feeling good in your skin. And it, you don't have to be a certain size, you know, you don't, it, it, wellness is um, something that we should be striving for all the time. And I also think that, you know, just because you want to become a, a reader, you know, you, you don't read one book, <laughs> you, right? Like if you want to identify as a reader and if you want to identify as, as a mover, you have to move and you need to fuel yourself well and, you know, um, you know, not to take away from, you know, nutrient dense food um, because I think it's very important. But when we talk about wellness, you know, there's, you know, it feels good sometimes to have an Oreo cookie and it's okay, right? Oh, but, it feels great. Right? <laughs> Right? Um, and, you know, I, you know, in my past coaching experience, that is something that I never would have said. Right. They weren't allowed to have That's Oreo right. cookies. That's right. Um, so I just, you know, um, so continually striving um, to be better and push yourself and, um, you know, strive to, for what you see as future you, right? Mm, right. And how does it help people when you say now, as a coach, you can have an Oreo cookie when you don't put restrictions on them? What do you see within people? Maybe you can speak to your own experience when you began to live unrestricted. Yes. Um, initially, um, it, and this is um, this this is very typical. Um, when you start to reintroduce those things. Um, we go through a period of where you just want all the things and it's right. natural and it makes sense because you've been depriving yourself for so long. Right. Yeah. So when we start to reintroduce those things, you go through a, a period where you want, well, we'll use Oreo cookies again. I, I love to use ice cream because I really like it, but um, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you want the, those things all of the time. Well, it's kind of like, you know, and the novelty wears off. And then eventually you don't want those things all the time and you decide for yourself when and if you want it, you go for it, right? Um, I guess I'm always shocked that this happens. <laughs> and I've heard this before as people move out of the diet culture, that when you allow people to have whatever they want, they will binge or yeah. be able to go, okay, I'm going to have all the Oreo cookies. And then what? We've made ourselves sick and realized we didn't, this is not what we want. And then they create the shift. Like, why do you explain well, that? No, I, I mean, you may feel physically unpleasant, right? If you eat a bag of Oreo cookies, of course, you're not probably not going to feel so great. But I, I really encourage them, like whether it's popcorn or ice cream or whatever to have it in your house. Um, and if you always have, like, it's like the apples in your fridge, 
you always have the apples. You don't always eat the apples because the apples are just always there, right? <laughs> yeah. When they have a choice over the cheesecake, and you know, it's a little difficult. Yes, my help. Right. <laughs> and you don't always have cheesecake in your house. So yeah, no. I love to use the example of of Oreo cookies or packaged cookies because there was a time when I would have them in the house and I could not stop. Like if mm. they were here, I couldn't stop. Like I would, the kids would go to bed and I would eat all the Oreo cookies. Where they're going? Yes. I don't know. Your dad must eat them. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, but um, now, once you allow yourself to have it, and you know, you give yourself permission to mm. have these foods, um, it's like one. You, you almost recognize that I don't even really like Oreo cookies. I don't like those packaged cookies. They don't taste good to me. I would rather have a nice homemade cookie, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's amazing. And you know, the same could be said for, you know, a lot of people with chips or chocolate or mm -hmm. like, I'm not for that crappy Kit Kat. I, I want a nice piece of dark chocolate and I'm going to enjoy it. And the other thing is once you grant yourself the permission to have these foods, it's like, oh, I, I, you know, there's no... Um, uh, you know, you don't feel deprived. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. And so this is what people are really feeling. They, they, that you've seen experience when they, when people are finally emerging from this diet culture, when they are allowed to have whatever they want, they actually begin to make better choices or to um, make less of those choices, I guess. Yeah. So when you that aren't good for to, them, well, when you start to tune in to what feels good, what leaves you feeling physically pleasant, um, mm. what leaves you feeling physically unpleasant and how much of that is the other thing. Right. Right. Um, you know, and this could be, so it's a real knowing of yourself. It's, it's becoming to really go inward and really sit with yourself. Yes. Uh, in this process. Yes, absolutely. 100%. So it's mm. tune, it's turning inward. Yeah, um, rather than lying, relying, sorry, on um, external cues, right? So when we right. are heavily entrenched in diet culture, we're told how much to eat, what to eat, when to eat. Yeah, so we mm -hmm. we've given all of that internal cueing to an external source. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a, a a big clarity that you've made there. It's this internal turning towards because I'm a coach, so you know I'm used to asking questions of people. But what you just said right there, you know, what feels good, what feels pleasant, what doesn't feel uh, uh, pleasant, yeah. is when you actually begin to not only ask the close questions of yourself but answer them. Um, there has you can't deny the awareness. You're becoming conscious in your life. I mean, it's really kind of a spiritual experience. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and you coming awake. Exactly. There's an awakening, right? Like how, like rather than you need to have, you know, three quarters of a cup of brown rice, four and a half ounces of chicken and two cups of vegetables. Oh my gosh. Right. Like so much. No, like, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's too much. What if too much thinking? Uh, yes. And what if you just sat down and had a really nice balanced plate and ate until you were full until you were like pleasantly full, not over full. Like we're talking right. hun hunger scale here. Like on, on, right. on a scale, like I don't want to feel so full that I physically feel unpleasant or so hungry that I'm ravenous. That kind of happy medium, right? Mm. It's so funny because I just finished reading a book by Dan Butner. It's the um, the blue uh, the blue zones around the world, the five different areas where people have the the most centenary center uh, live to a hundred, yes. and. Um, and one of the things that came out of uh, long living is this idea of eating till you're just pleasantly full. It was almost like 80% full, like not overstuffed, yes. <laughs> but just to the point where your body's cute, like I I'm satisfied. Yeah. Uh, so I find that kind of an interesting, an interesting point that you're making because I yeah. didn't read that about living long. Yeah. It, and I think too, like having, um, you know, some compassion and, um, looking at it from a place of kindness and self-compassion yes. and, yeah. you know, um, curiosity, like, you yeah. know, I may have overdone it on the Oreos, but why, like, why yeah. did I go to that? Was it, you know, was it a mood? Was it, um, a stressful day at work? Was it, and then developing other skills, to deal with those emotions rather than turning to the bag of Oreos is the other yeah. part of uh, that. Yeah. And I want to talk to you about that a little bit more in a minute, sure. but one of the things that you had said about 
um, this idea of being a mover. You said like, if you're going to be a reader, you read more than one book. Yeah. And so and so I think that's a great analogy. If you're going to be a mover, you don't move one time and call it quit. That's right. Um, and one of the things that you said, which I thought was interesting that, um, that you help improve women, um, improve the relationship with food and a movement relationship. And I'm like, Ooh, I like that. I'm not working out. I'm in a movement relationship. So can you say more about a movement relationship? Why is that important? Um, part of this process and how does that differ from the, what you used to do? Like you say, basically no pain, no gain, uh, go hard, go home, but that's not what it's about. (laughs) Right. Right. But it's not about that anymore. So you can say, you say more about the, uh, be in, in a movement relationship. Yeah. So I really encourage um, the, the ladies in my group and in my, in my one-on-one coaching to, first of all, what do you like to do, mm. right? How do you like to move your body? Don't, you know, don't think about um, maybe releasing the expectations of um, the way things used to be, right? And I'll use myself for an example. Um, I would do hit. Um, you know, at least five times a week, I was boxing a couple times a week, I was playing soccer, I was exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Just, and were you exercising even when you didn't want to? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Really? And why, wh- why was that? Because you were a coach or you believe that, oh, I can't give any room, otherwise I'll gain weight. Exactly. So one, it was for um, weight management. Um, two, it was because fitness coaches should look a certain way. Right. Right. And nutrition coaches should look a certain way. Um, You had to keep your image up. That's right. And the other thing was it was I was terrified of um, seeing a higher number on the scale, to be truthful. Right. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I mean, I think I think a lot of people can relate to that. They live and die by the scale and and therefore also self-worth and self-esteem and confidence you know, that it shows up on the scale. So yeah, yeah. do you throw your scales out? Um, I have a scale. I have probably weighed myself in the last three years, maybe twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was yeah. just a change. And are you scared to get on the scale? I'm not scared. I just don't, I know that I still don't have like, Personally, I don't have a healthy relationship with the scale. Um, if you know, <laughs> I don't like, think I don't know anybody. Who well, does. and I, you know, I'll say to clients, they'll ask because remember, they're used to me being a, a weight loss coach, and I'll say, well, this is my this is my opinion on the scale. If you can get on the scale and look at those numbers objectively and using it as solely data, absolutely. If you are getting on the scale and it affects your mood either way, good or bad, either it puts you in a good mood because you see a lower number or a number that you like, or it puts you in a bad mood because you're disappointed, then that is not the tool for you. Right. Mm. So so that's a good point because we look at a scale as a tool and it's not a very effective one. It's not. So then what are some other tools that we should use for, I don't want to use the word measure, but just to use, or should we have none? Like, is the tool well, more about how we feel? Um, what What are the guides that we should be using that I, are more healthy? There's tons of, you know, non-scale um, ways that we can, um, you know, kind of measure progress, if you will. Um, I love to use the example of, um, I, I had a client who, um, and now this was, this was in my past life, this was in weight loss, um, but he had really made some big changes. He was starting to walk his dog and, and doing the things, and I, I love that he part-time worked out in his garage, and mm. have you ever seen mechanics where they have those things, those, they're called creepers, they on wheels, you can slip yes. the car? He said to me, he used to push himself out from under the car, and he would roll off of it, push himself up, and stand up. And I'll never forget it because my heart just exploded when he said, I, you know, the scale's one thing, but to be able to roll out from underneath of this car and sit up and stand up mm. without having to, you know, um, so he really wasn't concerned too, too much about the numbers on the scale. It was more about his health, right? Mm, and yeah. And I love working with clients like this, right? Where they weren't you know, driven by numbers. He really wanted to be able to do these things and play with his grandkids and, and um, you know, um, but I think really an overall feeling of wellness mm. um, is, is what we're after, right? And, and it's not just nutrition and it's not just movement, like it's sleep and hydration and what brings you joy, 
right? Like yeah. all, all of these things tied together is really kind of the way I coach now. Yeah. And those are so much better measures. Like just like you say, if you're playing, want to play with your grandkids without getting winded, yeah. really, or, or be able to walk around the block with your spouse yeah. or find new ways to measure uh, wellness and that does not have to do with a number and serves you in a much greater way. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And so if someone is trying to figure out if they haven't been a mover, maybe never been, um, how you said, find something that you like to do. What do you suggest for people to, how do they get started finding something they like to do? So well, trying and testing or. Well, I often will say like, what brings you joy? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you, what do you, what do you love? Like, and, and not what your mom loves or your sister loves or your best friend loves. Like, what do you love to do? Like somebody like, I do enjoy a high intensity workout, but I know my body doesn't love it. So doing it, mm. you know, maybe once or twice a week for me is okay. Um, and, but if that's not their, you know, dance, like dance, like I have so many women I include who, who like. Oh yeah. A lot of women love dance. Yeah. Dance in your living room. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, uh, one lady said to me, you know, I used to love to play badminton. And I said, well, then let's find you. A recreational badminton league or have you tried pickleball or have you you know so it's finding things helping them find things that they actually love to do yeah um hiking okay I, I want to be a hiker and I used to love to hike okay well you know what one foot in front of the other and yeah. you know it, it only takes 10 minutes right now and maybe by the end of the summer you'll be able to hike a trail hmm so really you're busting the myth or the misconception that you have to suffer to move or to, to, to just maintain a good weight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's a lot of misconceptions that we have been, you know, it it just, they come in from everywhere. Absolutely. Like you said, no pain, no gain, but the fact that you just go out and play a casual game of pickleball or badminton with your friend, what, you know, and to actually make that count, like not discounted as not exercise or not, um, for your wellness. Absolutely. And I think reframing how we see some of these activities. Yeah. And, you know, and not beating ourselves up, like letting go of the expectations about how long as well. Right. Like right. you can put your shoes on and walk 10 minutes away from your house, you know, and you have to come back. So you can walk in. And it doesn't have to be a power walk. No, right. Oh, no. And, it, and, you know, sometimes that feels better than going for a run. Yeah. Right. So really, again, being that, you know, living and moving um, intuitively is tuning into what your body needs that day and letting go of the expectation of, you know, oh, I said I was going to strength train. I had a terrible week. And I'm like, really? You had a terrible week because you missed a workout. (laughs) Right. Now, come on. Like, right. So really kind of letting go of that. Yeah. Letting go. That's, it feels like you're doing a lot of, I mean, you probably do a lot of similar things that I do help people let go and reframing (laughs) because uh, people don't see, uh, or they get stuck in a certain thought pattern, especially in your industry where certain things should equal exercise, you know, that a a gentle walk around the block wouldn't count, but it should. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And you say your healthiest weight is the one you can maintain without restriction. Yes. And so that that's a big reframe, really, for a lot of people. It is because we, you know, coming again from from a weight loss um, coaching background, m- most of us have this idea of you know where we should be or where we, you know, um, where society thinks we should be, and oftentimes that's not our healthiest weight um, because we're you know, we're restricting um, either the amount of food, um, the types of food that we're eating, um, you know, in, in some instances, it's whole food groups. Yeah. Right. So I, I uh, you know, again, uh, not to get into too much detail about it, but we, we have a set point um, and we're genetically predispositioned to that. Right. Um, and to think that, you know, you can move and eat a certain way to look like a certain person isn't possible. Mm. It's just not. And there's a range that, you know, and that fluctuates. And once you become aware of that, um, you know, you're not beating yourself up because you can't gain a pound or two, right? Right. Um, You're not depriving yourself because 
you gained a pound or two or your pants are just a smidge, you know, too tight today, you know, compared to yesterday. Well, there's so many things that can um, impact that, right? And once you recognize that and, and let go, um, I think, um, again, that just takes your your level of health and wellness. And we're talking about mindset stuff now. Um, right. To a different level. And one of the things that you talk about is, you've already alluded to it, this idea of comparison. Even you yourself compared yourself to other people, what you thought a weight loss coach should look like. Because I was reading one of your Instagram posts, how you said comparison warped your thinking of not being fit. For example, you said, if you didn't look like the girl on the cover of the magazine, it meant you weren't fit. If you gained weight, it meant you weren't fit. Yeah. But I like how you say my fit is different from your fit. Absolutely. You know, we're all different. And, And I think that's a great perspective shift is that what does my fit mean for me? That's right. And it's different for everybody. Like you, you know, don't, um, I, I, you know, the comparison bit is like, you know, I'll get messages like, Oh, like when you're, you're on your bike and on your trainer, what resistance should I have it to? And I'm like, well, what feels, you know, not easy breezy to you, but is a little bit challenging that leaves you a little bit breathless. You've got kind of a sweat on, like that's, you know, where you should start. Like, don't set your resistance to my resistance, <laughs> right? right. Like, yeah. I've been doing this for right. years, right? So um, I think that comparison, I, I know it's, you know, people say it often, but it really is the, the thief, thief of joy, right? I was yeah. comparing myself, you know, I'm almost five foot 10. Well, I comparing myself to a fitness instructor that was five foot two. Like, how could I? <laughs> Yes. And what we forget is is all this marketing is people are photoshopped and lighting and all of these things on the covers of magazines, they make it unattainable. And that's one of the things you also say, talk about is that diet culture has taught us not to respect our bodies, Yes, right? They've created this unattainable uh, look that, that is not even real anyway. No, it's so true. And I, I, in my coaching, I talk a lot about um, the difference between body love and body respect, right? Oh, we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's the idea that, you know, we don't have to love every single thing about ourselves. We really don't. Mm-hmm. But can you give yourself the respect to, you know, um, eat nutrient dense food, move your body, enjoy um, those pleasurable foods, uh, you know, in, in moderation, it is okay, mm-hmm. right? Um, and remembering that movement is something that we give to ourselves. Um, it's almost like a gift. Um, not, yeah. you know, not something that we do to ourselves. Right. Mm, that's really powerful. Yeah. Because I think if you're in a diet culture, you're thinking it's something that you have to do to yourself. Like yeah. you've got to kill yourself on the treadmill. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Give yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a gift. And how does our language play into (laughs) this? I mean, so you talk about, you know, it's time to ditch those terms, like things that we probably don't even recognize or diet culture, guilt-free, cheat meal, clean eating. That one got me. I used to say clean eating. I'm like, no, no, clean eating. I'm like, someone said it's part of your diet culture. I'm Mm -hmm. like, it is? I thought I was doing a good thing by clean eating or diet friendly. So can you speak to language and how that matters? Yeah. I mean, let alone what talking to ourselves kindly. (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, and that is, I still, catch myself I will in, in you know complete transparency um I lived and worked as I said in diet culture for a very long time mm-hmm. so occasionally I catch myself in the you know using terms good and bad okay mm-hmm. well you know um you know uh removing morality you know it, it, mm. it's huge right you're not a good or bad person because you had a cupcake right right you're not you know, just because you ate kale, you know, there's probably there's it doesn't probably, make you yeah. morally take the moral yeah. high ground. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure there's lots of bank robbers that eat kale, right? Like, come on, right? I heard a, a comedian say that, you know, does kale have a publicist? Because it used to be the stuff that they put in the display case that they put the meat on, and now it's like the yeah. superfood we're expected to eat. Like, who started that? Yeah, yeah, it's true. But I think just, you know, and we, you know, there's a whole, um, you know, we do a whole coaching, um, you know, section on that as well, right? Um, 
and it really, you know, and then, you know, the food police, right? They're, and that's our, our inner voice that tells us whether we're, you know, good or bad. It says, oh, you're, you're a bad person because you, you know, just ate there. You, you, know, you should feel guilt or you should have shame for eating, you know, the birthday cake or, you know, so I, yeah, just kind of removing the morality tied to it. Um, clean eating, uh, you know, come on, right? Like right. it's, yeah. Yeah. And, and we can fool ourselves, right. To think that but by, by words like clean eating, we're not dieting. I'm clean eating. Yes, you know? right. yeah. So, um, so it's it's a real check in and reframing of how we see things, and and it just feels like a constant message of stop beating yourself up. Like, like compassion is not reserved just for other people. It is also for ourselves. That's right. Yeah. 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 I mean, we wouldn't say half of the things that we say to ourselves. Absolutely not. Really. To other, to our friends, or to our children. Exactly. Exactly. I hope not. Never. Yeah. <laughs> never. Like, why are we right. thinking to ourselves that way? Yeah. Absolutely. And I want to come back to the point that you were making earlier around awareness and this this internal shift of talking mm-hmm. to yourself, of asking those questions. You know, what brings me pleasure? What brings me joy? Mm-hmm. Because one of your Instagram posts was around distinguishing between emotional hunger and physical hunger. Yeah. And we've known for a long time that so much of what we do eating is emotional. I, I think about it through the pandemic. Every time there was a new lockdown, it's like, oh my gosh. I mean, have we eaten more food during a pandemic exactly. and hoard it yeah. in our houses? Or you're just stressed because you didn't know what was coming. Yeah. It's very unpredictable with all these variants that food became very satisfying. Yeah. And you say that there used to be a disconnect for you. And when I read this, I kind of almost feel like asking the question, what are you really hungry for? And I feel like, and maybe you can say yay or nay to this, is this a real key piece to getting out of diet culture is when you begin to understand why you're eating? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, one, the self-awareness is, is huge, right? Am I hungry or am I just eating out of habit right now? You know, right, stress or whatever, well, coping. Yes, and it's kind of like the mom who, you know, she puts her kids to bed at 7 o'clock and then finds herself in the pantry at 7 o'clock <laughs> yeah. too, right? Yeah, it, it, it was, a release. Yeah, it, you know? it's just, it was like a, so it's about building habits, adding, I, I like to um, coach to what can we add rather than subtract, um, mm-hmm. you know, as far as habits and skills, Um and then, you know, a big piece of it is um, bringing awareness. Yeah. And really answering those questions, I guess. What, what am I, why am I eating right now? Or what, what's making, driving me to eat? Am I actually hungry? Um, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit. What if the question comes up and you recognize, okay, I am emotional eating right now. Mm-hmm. What do we do then? It's like, okay, I'm actually not hungry. I'm just binging here because I'm stressed. Yes. And uh, what you know- now? Sometimes a cupcake feels really good, right? Right. And knowing that that's okay, right? In that moment, if that is what you really, truly need, then absolutely. Mm -hmm. But are there other skills, other practices that we could put into place um, if that is not something that we always want to turn to, Mm. right? And um, really feeling your feelings sometimes is what you need to do. Right. Yeah, that's a good one. Because it, for some people, it's food, other people, it's alcohol, yeah. or shopping, yeah. there's some other uh, mechanism that we might use to cover that up, right? Feel the feelings. Yeah. yeah. And sitting with it, right? Yeah. Um, which is really hard. Super hard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. And is that part of what you do is helping people through that too, yeah. when they recognize <laughs> that to sit there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is the impact of diet culture on mental health? It's huge. Mm. Especially right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people struggling. Um, you know, there's some people who are uncomfortable going out. 
Um, As a result of the pandemic well, staying in? Yeah, the pandemic or? staying in and how they may have coped, right? Right, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think, you know, I, my, um, you know, I'm encouraging them to get out, right? Like, we need to get out. We need to do these retreats. We need to be around women, like-minded women, right? Like, around, um, you know, people who you know, want to move, but they, you know, I, and I say oftentimes when people ask me about the Strive Inside community, like, yes, I, I group coach the Strive Inside community, but there is no better coach than every single one of those women that are in that group mm, because they yeah. get it. And they're all in different spots in, in their journey into moving and living more intuitively. And um, they're just an incredible <laughs> group of women. Like I can't um, say enough about them. Like the way that they support and encourage each other. Um, I, I do a coaching call once a week, but it's the after, right? It's, yeah. It's amazing. Tell me about the wellness retreats. Like what happens? What what happens with those? Yeah. Some of them are day retreats and some of them are weekend retreats. So what would happen on a day retreat? Yes. Um, on a day retreat, um, we typically have, so the, the idea behind these retreats, um, when I was um, going through, I did the um, venture validation program through, um, uh, it would have been Enterprise St. John at the time. Yeah. Um, uh, so they basically take your business idea and they help you validate it, right? Like whether or not you have a viable business. Um, and I remember, um, not to discredit any of them because they are all lovely humans. Um, but it was, um, mostly men. There was one female in there and I had this idea that, and, and I stuck true to it. I will say that, um, I really wanted to involve other local women entrepreneurs in my day. I wanted women to be able to experience even though I was coaching at one gym, I wanted them to be able to try Zumba. I wanted them to try Pound. I wanted them to mm -hmm. try um, Go Train in Sussex. Like So the idea was um, I would invite other businesses to my day um, so that women in the community could experience different ways to move their body, um, hear from different practitioners, um, all women. Um, and so I try to um, have three movement options. So you would arrive for the day. Um, we do a bit of registration and housekeeping logistics, whatnot. And then we have activity number one. Um, so for instance, the one coming up, um, will either be, um, like bar, um, a bar workout or something, which a lot of people haven't been exposed to yet, just a different way to move your body. Um, and then, you know, we may do an intro to boxing, um, so it, the way it's laid out is activity one, and then we have snack, um, and then a speaker. Um, and the speaker can be either, um, you know, a life coach, or maybe it's um, a physiotherapist or a chiropractor. Um, I had a pelvic floor specialist come in one time. So really taking women's health issues um, is where I go with that. Um, then we would do another activity. We'd break for lunch. So they have some downtime. The setting is beautiful. So they can, you know, walk down to the river after they have their lunch. They can you know, sit on the deck and chat with friends. They can network. Um, so is it an outdoor experience as well or partially outdoor? It's partially outdoor. So I hosted um, at um, I, the venue that um, we hosted at is a barn, um, but it has a nice deck out front, lots of um, green space. Um, and then they have access to, there's a trail down to the river if they want to go, you know, sit on the dock for, you know, a bit of their lunch break or whatever. So I try to give some downtime too. Um, then we would come back, um, have another activity after lunch, and then we have another speaker. Um, and then we finish off with um, yoga. And my friend, Lindsay, who is um, uh, an occupational therapist and also a yoga instructor, um, typically um, does finishes up the yoga with us. Mm. Yeah. And what do you see the shifts in women who t take part in this and you're introducing them to some um, movement and, and motivating them, empowering them? Well, what are the shifts that you see? Um, I, you know, I had, um, I had a lady recently say to me, you know, I, I was so intimidated. Mm -hmm. I did not, but it's something like I knew I needed to just like step out and, and go. Um, and she has tried you know, since I started working with her a few years ago, like, it's amazing. <laughs> really? Yeah. You know, she's, 
you know, she's gone on multi-day hikes. She's really put herself out there. She's tried boxing. She's tried, like she's tried it all. Right. And Mm. it's just about having the confidence that, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to be a certain size. You don't have to look a certain way to try. But that's what we've been sold because a number of times throughout this conversation, you've used the word intimidating or things that women have said to you. Mm -hmm. And that is a very typical response. I mean, why people don't want to go to the gyms is the people at the gym are already fit. That's right. So it's very intimidating. And I've had that myself to walk into any group where you feel like those people are already doing it. Uh, It is an intimidating experience. So what I'm really hearing is by people going into this, I mean, obviously you make it easy and very welcoming that people build their confidence by just showing up and trying some new things. And, and you, you walk out, you begin to be, you can feel the transformation probably beginning to happen immediately. And people are probably thankful that they've done it. Oh, it's amazing. And you know, you, you may not be able to do everything, but you can do something. Right. Yeah. And I know even for myself, you know, having gone through this pandemic and being locked down and not with a lot of people, one of the things I learned, especially last year, is my husband and I would go, you know, we do experiences and often they were in nature. So it might've been a hike, might've been trying like cross-country skiing, things that we haven't really done a whole lot of in the past. And what I noticed when I came back, A, I was happy that we did it. It was like an accomplishment in itself, but there's some sort of experience of getting outdoors. So it's like, I don't think I recognize the power of nature. Oh. And, you know, combine that with an experience, it just made, it made you feel like you came alive because you actually decided to show up and get out of your house. Yeah. Well, and yeah, the vitamin D and the fresh air. Yes. It it works wonders. Yes. And the experience, right. And to, and the community. I I was just going to say that, that, and to the the women that like, they, they really, and you know, I, I try to surround myself with good humans. Like I, I I do. And they are, they really are. They're very welcoming. Um, So, you know, race, age, gender, like it is unbelievable. Mm. The diversity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How has um, listening to your body helped you? Oh my goodness. Um, I, I feel better. My mindset is better. Um, I really, I'm not as injured. <laughs> I'm not injured yeah. as often, right? Like I just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in a, Well, sure, you're not driving her. I'm, <laughs> I'm in a really good place. Right, the no pain, no gain, keep on going. Oh my goodness. Do it while you're limping. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and if I don't feel like doing a hit workout or doing, you know, a strength training workout, I can hop on my bike or I can do Zumba. And you know what? Some days, taking my dog for this little loop that we had, I call, you know, either the hot loop and the long loop around my house. Um, some days that's it. And I don't have any guilt over it anymore, mm-hmm. which is yeah. um, an Huge. incredible feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How has the shift helped you bring yourself to your, your most authentic self? I, I love to use the analogy that um, I've set some real boundaries these last few years. And I don't know if it was turning 40 when all of this started to, you know, I, I, you know, change in career, change in mindset, change in whatever, but um, I really set some boundaries, um, whether it be, um, you know, professionally, personally, um, with my family, like, and um, I just feel like I'm in a really good place. I do. Um, I, I don't take on, um, you know, other people's stuff as much. Like I'm able to kind of set that boundary as well, which is a really good feeling. And that helped. And like I said, I don't know if it was the shift in, in mindset, in the type of coaching that I was doing. Um, was it setting the boundaries? Was it turning 40? I have no idea, but mm, um, sounds like it might've been a combo. It thing. really was. <laughs> it's like, you know, all of these things just kind of happened at the same time. And it's been, um, yeah, it's been really great. Yeah, I certainly can hear that, you know, when you were talking about being a weight loss coach and if something wasn't sitting well with you and once you made that shift, it's like you were coming in alignment with what felt right, what yes. the direction you're supposed to be going or how you're supposed to be showing up. Yeah. And obviously when you show up as your most authentic self, 
you know, you give other people permission to do the same. So that's right. Yeah. Last question. What do you want women to know? What's the message you want them to hear? I like, and I, I think I started with it and I'll end with it too. I really truly believe you don't, don't wait for, don't wait to be a certain size. Don't wait for a date. Don't wait for an age, right? Just mm-hmm. like start now and do it, right? You only have this moment forward. Mm. That's it. Um, and be where your feet are. Be here, be now. Be here, yeah. be now. Yeah. yeah. You can't control, you know, what happened. You can't control what, you know, you, you need to be right here in this moment. And I think if the pandemic has taught us anything, we realize that, you know, life can be unpredictable and that mm-hmm. what are we waiting for? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, once we had things taken away from us, I feel like, oh, I, you know, this week, once uh, restrictions lift, I was like, I actually feel motivated. Like we're actually going to move forward. I hope, yeah. um, you know, it feels like we've had the pause button for a really long time. Yeah. So, and I think um, um, people just feel, you know, we, we touched on this <clears throat> a few minutes ago, but you know, um, you know, some people are, are nervous, you know, to, to get out and try things and, and whether it be go back to the gym or try a retreat or, you know, just, you don't need to wait to be a certain size to do anything like mm-hmm. go zip lining, go for the hike, you know, try ice skating, you know, I like yeah. just rhyme off a million things that <laughs> the, the women in Strive Inside have tried and done and the confidence that they've gained. Um, um, like just, just do it and stop waiting. Yeah. Yeah. Confidence comes from action. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your insight and helping us learn about how to improve our relationship with food and movement. And you've given us lots of great nuggets (laughs) to uh, walk away with. So I I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, Maria. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And um, I, yeah, it was lovely. Thanks so much. That was such a great conversation. If you loved it too, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Please go to iTunes to rate and review this podcast. And if you want to continue the conversation, connect with Soul Sister Conversations on the Facebook and Instagram pages. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Dana Lloyd Leadership, on Twitter at Coach Dana underscore Lloyd, and of course on LinkedIn. See you next week.